which we're examining key objections that people have to the Christian faith. These are questions that may be raised in the minds of people who don't believe in Christ. When they, they hear about Jesus or hear about Christianity, they wonder, well, what about this? How do we know God exists? But doesn't science disprove the Bible? Today we are coming to another key objection uh, that's very common. It's this. But what about all of the other religions? What, what about all the other religions? Christianity is worldwide the largest religion, but still about two-thirds of the world's population doesn't identify themselves as followers of Jesus Christ. As we all know, there are many, many other religions around the world. So there's the question of how does Christianity relate with those other religions? Are they all true? Are none of them true? Just one? How's that really work? There's a common perception here in America and also in Europe that really all the religions go to the same, same ultimate place. They're all basically the same when you boil them down to their essence. I say this is a common belief in America and Europe. It's, it's not very common in other parts of the world. Uh, just in what's called Western culture is where you oftentimes hear this. Let me give you a story from everyday life that shows what a lot of people really think about this. Um, Micaias, my son and I, have a special time together on Sunday evenings. You see, my wife, Shelly, leads a high school girls Bible study in our home. And so Micaias and I get a couple hours together um, all by ourselves. And we do a variety of different things together. But one of the things we enjoy doing is going for rides in the big truck. He really enjoys riding around the pickup truck. I think because he can uh, see out of it uh, really well. He says it's loud. Um, we just drive around town exploring new neighborhoods, looking for construction sites, and, and just seeing what's out there. And, and over the last couple of months as we've been doing this, I've gotten to know other parts of Port Washington very well that I had never been in before. So it's a lot of fun. But the reality is we've been driving around is there are many different ways that we can get back to our house. We've approached our block that we live on from the north and the south and the east and the west from neighborhoods that I never even knew were in port. But it's been pretty cool. But that picture of being able to come back home in many, from many different routes is a picture of how many people perceive religions around the world. That there are many different ways to get to God. Christianity may be, according to this view, my chosen way, but there may be other ways that are equally valid in how to get to God. The all roads lead home perspective is what this is, well, it's not what this is officially called, but it's, it's a common perception out there. So we have the question still, of how does Christianity relate to all the other religions around the world? And this is the big but that we are examining this morning. It's not an easy question to examine, uh, but it's one that we still want to address because it is a, a significant question that many people have, whether they are not Christians or even whether we are Christians, we still wonder, okay, how does this really work? So we're going to look at this this morning. As we do so, I invite you to please pray with me, asking God to guide us in our time together. Father, we ask that you will guide us now as we look into your word, as we look into the world around us. God, we recognize that these are not simple questions. None of the big buts that we've been looking at are simple but God, we pray that you will give us clarity as we look into this topic. Lord, help us to understand these things in a way that will, will help us to relate well to others around us. Help us to understand more, things more clearly, even in our own minds, so that we may worship you in spirit and in truth. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
As we all know, these questions about how, how Christianity relates with other religions are challenging questions. Uh, but this morning I want to point to four different truths that are important to keep in mind as we try to discern what is the relationship between Christianity and the other religions. Uh, four truths that if we understand these things, we'll be a long way down the road in understanding how all these things relate to each other. The first truth I want to point to is this, that the Bible teaches that faith in Jesus is the only way to God. The Bible teaches that faith in Jesus is the only way to God. Let me point you to a few different passages of Scripture that make this clear. One is in Acts chapter 4, verse 12. This is a place where uh, Peter and John, two of Jesus' disciples during his earthly ministry, they're being questioned about their teachings about Jesus. Jesus is no longer alive on the scene on earth, uh, but Peter and John are being questioned about some things they're teaching about Jesus. And Peter says in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, that salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. You would think this would be a time if he's going to crack under pressure that he would. That he might bend things a little bit, make things a little bit more palatable for people around him. But he says there is no other name besides Jesus that we can be saved by. No other name under heaven. No other way. So he's pretty clear there. And even Jesus himself is pretty clear about this. In John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. As Pastor David shared about the corn maze, in a maze, typically there's one way out. Let me give you another example similar to that. If you were to go to the bathroom uh, here, go to one of our four bathrooms, uh, there's pretty much one way into the bathroom, a door. That's the designated way that you get into the bathroom. Now, you may be able to argue, okay, the women's bathroom up here has a, has a window. I'll try to go in the window. Or there's an attic up above there. I could go up there and I could burrow down through the ceiling and get into the bathroom that way. I'll tell you, especially if you try to go through the attic, myself and the buildings and grounds crew here is not going to be very happy uh, because that ceiling is not meant to be uh, burrowed through. There's really one designated way to get into any of the bathrooms here. There's one door. That's the way that you're supposed to go in and out of there. But it's the same way with how we get to God. That God has designated one way through Jesus Christ to get to Him. We see this as well in 1 Timothy chapter 2, where the Apostle Paul says that God our Savior wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. Here's the truth that he wants us to understand. He says, For there is only one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. So God is saying there's one God. We understand that that there's a separation naturally between us and God caused by sin. And there's one mediator who can bridge that gap between where we are as sinful humans and between, uh, between us and the holy God. And that only mediator, Paul says, is Jesus Christ. One more uh, verse that talks about this reality that it's only through faith in Christ that we can have true eternal life. One more verse is John 3.36, where John says, Whoever believes, or actually this is John the Baptist saying, I know this is John, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains upon him. 
This is a summary statement that says that whoever believes in Christ has eternal life. Whoever doesn't believe in Christ doesn't have eternal life. And it's pretty clear cut, pretty black and white, one way or the other. You either believe in Christ and have life, or you don't believe in Christ and you don't have life. There's really no other way to interpret the Bible on these matters. I mean, if you want to try to come up with some interpretation that says, well, you don't really need to believe in Christ in order to have salvation, that's really a misinterpretation of what's here. There are plenty of other verses as well that point to the same reality. But now, here's where that big but comes in. But what about all the other religions? If it's only through faith in Christ that we can really have salvation, what about the millions and millions of people who are believing other religions out there who don't believe in Christ? And that's where that difficult question comes in. Now let me point to a second truth. Uh, This truth is related to what I said earlier about how many people think, well, pretty much all the religions, if we really get down to it, lead to the same place. It's just different ways of expressing the same reality, different ways, different roads to get to the same destination. Well, the second truth is this. That it is not possible for all the religions to be true. Now, this may not sound like a very politically correct statement, but there, it's a reality that it isn't possible for all of the religions to be true. I'm not talking about politi- political correctness this morning. I'm talking about logic and, and reality. It's just not logically possible. There are fundamental contradictions between the various religions. If we look at religions around the world, the top four are Christianity, which has about 2.1 billion people who claim to be Christians. The second uh, leading or second largest religion is Islam, which has about 1.5 billion followers. Uh, The third leading religion is Hinduism, which has about 900 million followers. And then fourth is Buddhism, which has about 376 million followers. So these are the four major religions. And even when we examine these four major religions, we'll see that there are fundamental differences. There are actually contradictions in what they believe. And I want to give you four different examples of really four key questions that religions typically address that shows these key differences. One is the question, who is God? As far as Christianity goes, God, or God is Trinity, three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who are all, it's kind of mind-boggling, but all one God operating together. The God is the creator of the whole, whole universe, but God is not distant. Instead, he is very personal. He, he loves us and wants to have a relationship with us. That's Christianity's view of God. Islam says also that there is one God, but they say there's really no trinity. There's just one God, and that's it. Hinduism takes a very different stance, teaching that their view of God is a universal, impersonal spirit. They're really, in the Hindu's view, really, we are all a part of God. God is really in everything. And so in that interpretation, you can see, well, there could be one God. There, if you're a Hindu, you could believe in 330 million gods. If you're a Hindu, you could believe there's really no God. Their view of God is very, very different than that of Christianity or even of Islam. Then Buddhism straight up says there isn't a God. Buddha himself said that God doesn't exist. Buddhism is really more of a philosophy than a religion that believes in the supernatural. And there are other religions out there as well that uh, don't believe there's any God at all. 
you look at many tribal religions around the world, uh, in little tribes like in Indonesia or maybe some places in Africa, that believe in thousands or millions of gods. So we see here that it is not possible for all these different views of gods to be true. It's not possible for there to be a God, but at the same time not to be a God. That's a contradiction. I want to point to a second example of how uh, various religions contradict each other. The question, is there sin? Christianity and Islam both say, yeah, there is sin. Sin against a holy, perfect God. On the other, on the other hand, Hinduism and Buddhism say, no, there's not really sin. Partly because Buddhism doesn't believe there is a God to sin against. And then Hinduism um, believes in more of an impersonal God who you can't sin against. So they say basically there isn't sin. There may be other problems with humanity, but sin, as it's typically defined, is not one of the major problems. A third question is what happens after death? Christianity and Islam both teach that there is a heaven and a hell after death. There are different nuances between how Christianity and Islam view heaven and hell and how you get there and what the reality there is like. But they both believe that there is a heaven and hell that comes after death. There's not a second chance or anything like that. But Hinduism believes in reincarnation. That based on how you live your life, based on what they call karma, you are reincarnated over and over and over. They believe there is an ultimate goal of kind of ending the reincarnation and being absorbed into God. So really you don't exist as a particular identity anymore, but that you're just then a part of Brahman or part of God. And then Buddhism also believes in reincarnation, but their goal is not being absorbed so much into God. Their goal is what's called nirvana. Nirvana is where you have a complete absence of any sort of desires. They believe that Buddha was a man who was a normal man here on earth, but he reached that point of nirvana, of having a complete absence of desires. But again, here we have significant contradictions in what the religions teach. Christianity teaches, you know what, after you die, you're judged, and then there's heaven or hell. But then a couple other religions believe in, in reincarnation. You come back over and over and over. And there are other religions that just believe that when you're dead, you're dead. There's no sort of afterlife. Now finally, I want to point out one other significant difference between the religions, and that's how they view Jesus Christ. Christianity teaches that Jesus is fully God, and fully man, and that he is the savior of the world. Islam, on the other hand, says that Jesus is not God. He's, he's a great prophet, but he's not God. And Islam also typically teaches that Jesus was not crucified. Hinduism and Buddhism both teach that Jesus was a teacher. Sometimes they call him a guru. But he certainly wasn't God in their perspective. Let me throw you one more curveball. Mormonism teaches that Jesus was once a person just like we are in an alternative universe. And then he lived such a good life that he earned his way up to the role of being God. And so he was given his own universe to govern, and that's our universe. So, so Jesus, in the Mormon's perspective, is the God of our universe. But once, he was a person just like we are. A little, a little difference here, isn't there? Basically, there's not a way for all these religions to be true. It's not possible because there's a fundamental contradiction in what they believe. Let me give you an example. Many of you are probably following a baseball series going on right now between the Brewers and the Cardinals. They play this afternoon again. 
And I want you to imagine that you have two fans at the Brewers game this afternoon. One fan is a Brewers fan. The other fan is cheering hardcore for the Cardinals. They're probably having a little disagreement here over who they think should win the game. Now imagine these are two very, very passionate fans. And, and one saying, you know what? Brewers are definitely going to win this series because they're playing at home. They have the best home record in the league. They're going to win. The Cardinals fans saying, nope. Cardinals are going to win. They only need to win one more game. Even if they lose game six, they have Carpenter on the mound for game seven. They're going to win. You have these two fans passionate about their teams, each saying, my side is going to win. They're contradicting each other because in baseball, it's not possible for both sides to win. You don't have ties in baseball. You're not going to get two teams from the National League going to the World Series, are you? It's not going to happen. Imagine that you have a third fan sitting there saying, you know what? You guys, you all know what you're talking about. You should both just be at peace with each other. You should both, you know what? Both teams are going to win. You can both have it your way. It doesn't work in baseball, does it? But for some reason, there are a lot of people who want to say with religion, you know what? You can all have it your way. You're all right. It doesn't work. There are fundamental contradictions so that it is impossible for all religions to be true. Now, you may be thinking, okay, that's pretty insensitive. I mean, shouldn't you just let other people believe what they want to believe and, and say, well, that's good enough? But I think it is very important that we are sensitive and humble in how we relate to others who disagree with us. There are certainly people out there, even people who claim the name of Christ, who are very insensitive in how they relate to others who disagree with them. I, I, I completely believe we should be humble and sensitive but it doesn't mean that we should water down truth. Imagine that you are a math teacher. You have a student in your class who on a test says that 2 plus 2 equals 5. What are you going to do as a math teacher? Are you going to say, well, you know, they're a really nice student. They brought me an apple last week. I really like them a lot. They're very sincere in their belief that 2 plus 2 equals 5. I'll, I'll just say that they're doing all right. They can believe that. That's fine. I think that teacher is probably going to say, you know what, that's wrong. That's the wrong answer. 2 plus 2 equals 4. That's not insensitive to say that. It's just pointing out the truth. They can do it in a humble and a sensitive way, but in a way that corrects that student to say, you know what, 2 plus 2 does equal 4. That's simply the truth. Now we have this question, though, of how do we determine what is true? I believe that we determine what is true ultimately by asking what aligns with the reality of the world around us. What aligns with reality? If something aligns with reality, it's true. If something contradicts reality, then it's not true. And one of the really cool things about Christianity is that it is based on a book, the Bible, that is based in reality, in time. The events recorded in the Bible can be verified on whether or not they really occurred in history. If we find that there are contradictions, then we can, then that may be a reason to not believe in Christianity. But the, the Bible is based in history, and it's based on a human. Jesus is more than just a human, but Jesus lived 2,000 years ago, and there's a lot of data that we can examine to, to find out, is Jesus for real or not? Is the stuff he said and taught true or not? And so I want to turn to Jesus again. I believe that Jesus is what ultimately sets Christianity apart from other religions. 
Jesus is the difference maker. He's what ultimately sets Christianity apart, makes Christianity special in this sense. I want to point to three different reasons why I believe that Jesus sets Christianity apart. One reason is his identity. Jesus is fully God and fully human. Now, I don't want to this morning go into a lot of the reasons why I believe that Jesus is God. If you want to investigate that more, I invite you to go to our website and go to the second Big Butts uh, sermon, which is about, about how do we know that God exists. There, I talk a little bit more about reasons why we can believe that Jesus is God. But if Jesus really is God, that makes a significant difference. Um, because other religious leaders, say the founders of other religions, or prophets in other religions, or even prophets in the rest of Scripture, are not God. Think about Muhammad, the prophet who really started Islam. He's not God. He's a human being. Think about Joseph Smith, who started Mormonism. He believed that he was a prophet receiving a revelation from God, but Mormons do not believe that Joseph Smith was God. Think about the Dalai Lama. He's not God. He's a human being. It makes a big difference when you have God himself coming to earth and teaching us and guiding us. Hebrews chapter 1 points to this reality when in the first few verses of Hebrews 1, the writer says that in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets in many ways and at various times. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through him, whom he made the universe. The Son is the exact radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. So when Jesus came to earth 2,000 years ago, he came as God in the form of a human being. In my mind, that sets him apart from everyone else who's ever walked on this earth. Because there's only been one time that God himself came to earth and walked for 33 years in the form of a human. And that gives him an authority that is unlike that in any other religion. I also look at Jesus' death being another way that Jesus sets Christianity apart. Jesus didn't merely die as a martyr, but he died to bridge that gap between us and God. You see, typically religions teach about ways that you can have a right relationship with God. Um, Typically in religions, we as humans need to do something to try to reach up to God. We do things like meditation or like prayer or fasting or sacrifices or uh, being a good person. Maybe even martyrdom can improve our, our role in God's eyes. But that's typically what religions teach, that you need to do something to have a right relationship with God. But there is a reality that sin separates us from God and that nothing that we do can ultimately bridge that gap with God. And so here is where the fundamental difference is in Christianity uh, when you compare Christianity with every other religion. In every other religion, people are reaching up to God, trying to earn their way back to Him through various things they do. In Christianity, God reaches down to us. God came to earth in the form of a human being. And then ultimately he died on a cross to pay the penalty for sin that we deserved. In Christianity, it's not about what we can do, but it's about what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. All we have to do is place our faith in him, trusting in him alone to pay that penalty for sin that we deserve. And so Christianity operates on the basis of what's called grace. 
an unmerited, undeserved gift that God gave us in Jesus. Grace typically is not present in other religions. Other religions typically are based on a performance plan of what can you do to get right with God. But Jesus teaches, you know what? You can't do anything, but I'm doing it for you. That's a fundamental difference that sets Jesus apart. And thirdly, Jesus' resurrection sets him apart. Jesus was resurrected from the dead. The bodies of all the other religious leaders through history are in the grave. But Jesus is alive. You may wonder, okay, how do we know that the resurrection really is true? I think the main thing I always go back to when I wonder, how do we know that the resurrection is true besides that the Bible says it? I go back to the transformed lives of the disciples. See, Jesus had 12 people who were following him throughout his ministry. They were so excited about him. They thought he was the Jewish Messiah. They thought that he is the one coming from God who's going to lead us to life. Then Jesus goes out and gets himself crucified. One of the disciples has already abandoned him, Judas, who betrayed him. But there's still 11 disciples left. And 10 of those 11 fled when Jesus was crucified. They were scared to death. John was the only one who was at the cross with Jesus as Jesus died. And then after Jesus' uh, crucifixion for the next couple of days, all the disciples were huddled in a room, scared for their lives because they had been associated with Jesus, but now everyone's turned against Jesus. But then something happened. All of a sudden, over the, how over a course of just a couple of days, these disciples who were scared to death, disciples like Peter who denied even knowing Jesus, all of a sudden, they're out there boldly proclaiming Jesus Christ and proclaiming that he has risen from the dead. You remember Acts 4.12 where Peter said salvation is found in no one else besides Jesus? It's the same Peter who three days earlier denied even knowing Jesus. You have to wonder what could have caused such a radical transformation in 11 people. Such a transformation that 10 of those 11 were martyred for their faith in Jesus Christ. People don't believe, knowingly believe lies all the way to the grave, especially when you have a group of 11 people like that. I believe that the best explanation for the transformed lives of the disciples is the resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus sets him apart from everyone else. And we also know from Scripture, for instance, from Philippians 2, that at the name of Jesus, because of who he is, because of his death, because of his resurrection, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow before him. And every tongue will confess that he is Lord. We also know out of the book of Revelation that in heaven, people from every nation, tribe, people, and language will be around Jesus, worshiping him. Jesus welcomes everyone to come to him, regardless of religious background, regardless of culture. Jesus has opened the way for anyone and everyone who comes to him by faith to find true eternal life. Now, there may be another big but that comes to your mind at this point. Okay, Pastor Brandon, you've talked sufficiently about how Jesus, uh, the Bible teaches that Jesus is the way to have true life. But what about those people who've never heard of Jesus? What about them? I mean, don't they have some way as well, or are they just, just cast off and have no hope at all? That is another big challenging question. Originally, when I was designing this series, that was a big but in and of itself. What about those people who haven't heard of Jesus? 
And then I said, well, let's incorporate it into this sermon about all the religions. But this is a big question. And that leads to the fourth truth that I think is very important to cling to as we try to understand the relationship between Christianity and the other religions. And that fourth truth is this. That God will not unjustly condemn anyone. He will not unjustly condemn anyone. He won't unjustly allow anyone to go to hell who doesn't deserve it. I want to make a couple points about this. One is that we in America oftentimes think that, that we are the centerpiece of Christianity in the world and that when you look around the rest of the world, there's a lot of spiritual darkness. There are a whole lot of people out there who've never heard of Christ and have had no chance to hear the gospel. But the reality is that we in America, we may have the most finances and the most educational opportunities of any Christians in the world, but we are not, we do not make up the bulk of the Christians in the world. If you look at the population of Christians around the world, about 40% of Christians live in North America and Europe. That means 60% of Christians live in South America, Africa, Asia, and Australia. And occasionally there might be a few in Antarctica, but they aren't living there permanently. But the reality is that there is not a complete spiritual darkness in all the rest of the world. In Africa, there are about 400 million Christians. That's a whole lot more people than we have in the entire country of the United States. 400 million Christians in Africa. It's estimated that by 2025, there are going to be 600 million Christians there. In China, there are over 60 million Christians, and that number is growing very, very quickly. The most rapid growth in Christianity today is not taking place in America or in Europe, but in other parts of the world. And it's easy to think, well, what about all those people who don't have a translation of the Bible or who still haven't heard of Christ? You know what? There is a reality that there are still a lot of people out there who don't know the name of Christ. But also, only about 3% of the world doesn't have access to the gospel in their language, whether it's through a missionary or whether it's through the Bible or whether it's through some audio recording of the Bible or the gospel in their language. Only about 3% doesn't have access to the gospel in their language at this point. So this shows that the gospel witness around the world is actually very widespread, a lot more widespread than we oftentimes think. And one of the other cool things to think about as we examine Christianity versus other religions is that Christianity is unique in how it has jumped from one culture to another to another. Most other religions are confined to the culture where they started for the most part. That's where the bulk of their followers are right now. Think about Islam. Yeah, there are Muslims in America. There are Muslims in Europe and other parts of the world. But the majority of the Muslims in the world are in the Middle East. That's where it began. And that's still where the majority of them are. You look at Hinduism. There are Hindus in other parts of the world, but the vast majority of them are in India and their surrounding countries. That's where it began, and that's where the vast majority of them are. Think of Shinto religion, which is the official religion of Japan. That's almost non-existent outside of Japan. Most other religions are confined to a specific culture. They don't translate very well from one culture to another. But Christianity has spread from one culture to another to another, and it seems like every few hundred years it transfers to a new culture. And now we see the, the shift taking place in the populations of Christianity around the world. That now it's in the south and in the east. 
not as much in the West anymore. That's the cool thing about Christianity. Jesus said, take the gospel to the entire world. And we see that happening. Now another thing to keep in mind as we talk about God doesn't unjustly condemn anyone is really everyone deserves hell. We all deserve hell. There's no one who is really good enough to deserve going to heaven. Uh, Romans 3.23 says that all of sin falls short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death. It's not an issue of there being some good people, deserving people out there who God shuts out from getting into heaven. The issue is that, no, you know what? Everyone goes to hell. Or everyone deserves to go to hell. It's not everyone goes to hell. They, we would, if not for Jesus. And that, that raises the interesting question of why did God choose to save anyone? That's a big question to ponder. But we also need to recognize that God reveals himself to everyone. It's not that people don't have a chance. He reveals himself to everyone. He even reveals himself to people who don't have the Bible in their language or don't currently have a missionary right there. Because, for instance, Romans 1.20 says that for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. God's saying here that when we look at the world around us, that is witness enough to the existence of God. That should humble people enough that they turn to him. There isn't enough evidence in nature to fully lead someone to faith in Christ, but there is enough evidence in nature, or we see in other parts of Scripture, evidence in our consciences to point us to the fact that there is a higher being and that should humble us. And the cool thing that we see is that God will make sure that if someone is truly seeking him, he will make sure that they have the gospel that they can respond to. His normal ways of getting the gospel to people is through other people. And overseas, many times it's through missionaries. But he also works through supernatural means to get the gospel to people who really want to know him. Let me give you a few stories uh, from some of my friends, actually, of special means that, that God has used to wake up people. I have some friends who are missionaries in places like China or the Middle East, um, and they tell some really cool stories about God waking people up to the gospel. One story is from China, uh, where there, one of my friends was working in a campus ministry there. And there were two girls majoring in biology there in China. Uh, they were taking classes. They were teaching them about evolution. They'd grown up atheist. But as they were taking these classes in evolution, they began to wonder, well, what about the kangaroo? Kangaroos carry their young in little pouches on their stomach. Why in the world would evolution cause kangaroos to have these little pouches? I mean, it seems like a pretty basic question. But it led these two girls in China to begin to wonder, is there really a God out there? Maybe evolution isn't true after all. And it led these girls to, to talk more about, okay, if there's a God, he must be a great God. And we are, are definitely not great. We don't deserve to have a relationship with this God, but we want to have a relationship with him. And they found my friend on their campus who was a missionary there. And they said, you know what, can you tell us more about this God? My friend shared the gospel with them. These two girls, based on their observations on, of kangaroos, came to know Jesus Christ. Another example, a little bit um, more eye-opening of an example, took place in the Middle East. There was a short-term missions trip there. Uh, there was 
uh, an American college student sitting in a coffee shop just minding his own business uh, there. And a young Middle Eastern woman came into the coffee shop, walked over to this American guy. I mean, he's from, I think he's from Kansas. And so, I mean, just farmer-type American guy walks up to him and says, Are you a Christian? I mean, he was a little concerned, wondering, Okay, why are you asking me if I'm a Christian? She just thought he was a Christian because he's an American, so he must be Christian from her perspective. But she said, you know, I had a dream recently. I need some help understanding what this dream means. I had this dream of, of crosses. And there was this guy named Jesus who was hung, hanging on one of the crosses. She'd never even heard the name of Jesus before. But she had this dream about Jesus. And she said, here, I, I drew a picture of what I saw in my dream. Can you tell me what this means? And he went on to share the gospel with her. She was a person who'd never heard the name of Jesus before, but God worked in her life through a dream to, to show her that Jesus is real. And then through that, she heard the gospel. One other example from the Middle East. Uh, there was a man who grew as Muslim. He was passionately seeking to learn more about Islam. He wanted to learn more about the prophets of Islam. And so he, he was devout. He prayed five times a day, fasted as he was supposed to. He was in a video store one day and came across a movie about Jesus. And in Islam, Jesus is seen as a prophet. So he took that movie thinking it was about Jesus as a prophet. It was actually a movie uh, about the Gospel of Luke teaching the Gospel to people. It was in his own language. So he took that home. He was in his bedroom, which the door was closed in his bedroom. Towards the end of the movie, he had Jesus quoting Revelation 3.20 where Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him. At that moment when Jesus was talking about opening that door, he said the door of his bedroom somehow opened wide on its own. He thought that was kind of strange, so he went over and closed the door. He restarted the movie at the point where Jesus started talking again. Again, it came to the point where it said Jesus knocked on the door and opened. Again, his door opened. Kind of freaked him out a little bit. He began to wonder, okay, what's going on here? He began to wonder, is there some validity to Christianity? Soon after that, he got involved in an English club uh, where he learned English, but it was led by missionaries um, who were teaching about Jesus. He began to learn more about, more about Jesus. During that time, he had several dreams where in his dreams, Jesus came into his bedroom at night, woke him up, and said, come, follow me. He had at least three dreams like that. And he came to a point of crisis where he had to determine, is Muhammad the way to follow or is Jesus the way to follow? He prayed that God would reveal to him which one he should follow. And he came to the conviction that he needs to follow Jesus. He placed his faith in Christ. And today, he is passionately trying to reach others in his home country with the gospel. These are just a few examples of how if someone sincerely wants to know God, even if they don't have gospel access now, God will get the gospel to them, whether it's through people, through dreams, through some other supernatural means, or something as simple as a video in the store. God is at work, and he will not unjustly condemn anyone. Now, I come back to my story I shared earlier about Micaiah and I driving around in the truck. I think one of the keys in that story is that I'm the one driving the truck. Micaiah is not. I know where I'm going. I know how to get home. I don't know if you've ever had the experience of having a little kid be a navigator in your vehicle for you. I've done that once. Uh, it's kind of interesting. But it's not, it's, it's fun. You sometimes end up going in strange places and stopping in the middle of the street and backing up, which is fine on side streets. 
but it's not a way to get to a precise destination. The key is that you have someone navigating who knows where they are going. And Jesus is the one who knows right where he is going. And he is the key for anyone in any culture of any religion who wants to know God. The way is through Jesus Christ. For salvation is found in no one else except for him. And if you are a person who'd like more information about knowing Christ, about, about these topics we've been discussing today, I invite you on the back of your connection card to check the box that says you'd like more information about becoming a follower of Christ. I'd love to talk with you more about this. Um, Jesus is the way to true life for everyone at all times and all places. And in heaven, people from every nation, tribe, people, and language will be worshiping Jesus. Let's pray. Our Father, as we talk about these topics, we recognize that they are sensitive. They aren't easy when we think about